everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Heart Home Faith. I'm your host, Olivia McCarthy, and I'm so excited to be sharing this very special episode with you today. This episode is being released today in honor of St. Valentine's Day. Okay, I know that we all have our own opinions and theories and philosophies and feelings about Valentine's Day. I've been married for almost nine years now, and Valentine's Day is not really that big of a deal in our house. So, of course, we do little chocolates and sweet little things, but it's not like this big, ornate production. Maybe it shouldn't be. But today, I'm bringing to you an episode with Dr. Sarah Bartle from Cana Feast. Perhaps you've heard of Cana Feast. Dr. Sarah and her husband, Nathan, who I believe is also a PhD, they are all about marriage enrichment, which, regardless of if it's Valentine's Day or not, is something that every Catholic marriage needs. Dr. Sarah has a PhD in moral theology. She specializes in marriage, family, and sexuality. She knows her stuff, and I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Let's dig in and just be amazed at the incredible wisdom that Sarah shares with me. I'm so, so excited to share it with you, too. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I am delighted to be here, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I was talking with my small group. I'm so blessed. I have this small group of women. There's seven of us total, and we've been meeting together for years, and we've, we're like raising our babies together, and we're like walking through this vocation of married life together and and really hitting on like hard topics but we were talking about praying with our husbands and this is such a common struggle for all of us and I thought about it like most of us have a baby or two or three or if you're me you're expecting number four Um, but like we you know we're in the we're in the thick of family Mm -hmm. years and so I really was thinking like wow okay all of us struggle with this all of us really seem to like, we were invested Catholic women, but we want to support our husbands more. And so often we don't feel like we have the resources, the knowledge or the model to really understand how to do this. So like that was where me reaching out to you really came from is just like, oh my goodness, you have an entire ministry about this. Let's talk, please. Because I know at least seven women who will benefit from it. And I'm guessing if there's seven women who will benefit from it, there's, you know, 70. So anyways, I just wanted to give you that little backstory about that. Oh, thank you. Well, that's great. You know, it's so common because Unless you happened to grow up in a home where you saw your mom and dad praying with each other, then there's really, you're not going to see models of people, of husbands and wives praying together privately because it's by nature, it is a private thing. You know, it happens usually inside the home, inside the bedroom or 
you know, in, in that intimacy of the relationship. So that, that's one of the, the downsides to couple prayer is we don't see it happening in front of us that often. So I'm really delighted to share about it because that's a way of like pulling back the, the curtain to let you glimpse inside and see models and examples. Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, so can you give me and um, anyone who's listening a little bit of a rundown on your backstory, your ministry, Cana Feast, which I just have to tell you, I adore that name. I love the wedding feast at Cana. That was actually the gospel reading at my wedding. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's a very special, that's a very, very special um, passage for me. I can't, I can't tell you which book of the Bible, <laughs> which gospel it was or anything like that. I just know it was about the wedding feast at Cana. But then I had a big uh, transformative conversion, reversion experience where mm-hmm. I was led to Jesus through Mary's intercession. And so the wedding feast at Cana is so special to me. So anyways, I'm so excited. But can you just tell me more about your backstory, about how Cana Feast got started, and like, what is your mission? Because I think it's so cool, but I want to I hear you explain it in your own words. Oh, wonderful. Just hearing you talk makes me want to just contemplate the mystery of the wedding at Cana even more, because it's so rich. There is that aspect of Mary's intercession leading us to her son. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, it is um, my favorite mystery of the rosary as well. And that wedding at Cana is just, it is so rich and powerful and beautiful. I'm kind of at the University of America. Okay. And my husband, Nathan, got his uh, master's in philosophy there. And while we were there, we began having our children. Um, and now we've been married 20 years and have five beautiful children, four girls, and now a little baby boy. And it's oh. just so blessed. And what we the wonders of technology, sometimes we have hiccups, right? So, um, of course, those hiccups can impact our listening um, quality and our listening experience. But for the most part, I think people understand that we're working really hard with the best we can with our internet yeah. and everything and across the entire country. I mean, that's that can be a challenge, but just to, just to repeat the first question that I was asking you that we were talking about before we started having uh, internet shenanigans pop up, but can you just explain about Cana Feast and the backstory and then, um, you know, really how your mission of your ministry impacts what you do? Yes. We have a passion to help married couples discover more joy in their sacramental marriage. And so we let, we have an online um, monthly mini retreat a membership. That's a lot. That's a lot of alliteration. <laughs> but basically we provide our couples who join our, our ministry, a, a new um, video retreat that they can do in their own home every month. So even before COVID hit, it was hard for a lot of couples to go take an entire weekend away. Oh yeah. To go on a marriage retreat. We saw this among our friends too. And we were doing in-person retreats through a different organization at our parish and in the region. So many of our friends wanted to come, but maybe their grandparents didn't, didn't live in the area or husband had to work on Saturday or wife had to work on Saturday. So we created this model so that you can get an ongoing dose, fresh dose of inspiration month by month, because we really hear that call of our lady 
at the wedding at Cana saying they have no more wine. Like sometimes we forget to dig into the riches of our, our sacrament. Hang right. on just a second. <laughs> you guys, I actually have to do the interview here because go of upstairs. the internet. No. So can you guys go play in your bedroom, please? Would yeah. you mind doing that? Thank you. Um, I have to laugh because my five-year-old just came downstairs. So it's bedtime here, but she just came downstairs, mama, mama. And I told everybody, I was like, I'm on the phone. You need to be in your beds. And she came downstairs and I was like, you need to, so we're both doing the exact same thing at the moment. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is Kate still out with, with Blazy? Do you mind going to let her know when she comes in to just kind of quietly sneak up the stairs with him? And how long are your segment, are your shows? Is it an hour or half hour or, what, or does it vary? Or? It varies usually from half an hour, if it's just me, to uh, an hour typically with okay. guests. So, That's yeah. great. <laughs> and then, you know, I had, um, I just stopped, but I used to do a radio show with a co-host for our local Catholic radio here in the Northwest. And it's so fun, so fun to interview people and whatnot. But we would kind of coach some people, don't get long-winded with your answers. And now on the other end, I'm realizing, like, would you, that'd be helpful for you if I kind of have shorter answers so that you, we can have more of a conversation. No, no, definitely. I mean, answer. <laughs> answer okay. with what's on your heart. I mean, we prayed. Answer with what God wants you to say. <laughs> I don't... Oh, okay. Yes, we just had a half-hour show, which was mm -hmm. two 12-and-a-half-minute segments. So to get kind of wrap things up we really had like okay let's <laughs> finish up so okay great to know yeah. uh, I, I can tend to go on but I'll just let it roll yeah I mean come Holy Spirit say what you need to say this is why I'm asking you these questions <laughs> so you um you do monthly membership at home retreats for couples. Is that what I was hearing? Correct? Yes, that's okay. right. So we support couples with ongoing marriage enrichment, the fresh retreat every month that we deliver to them. Um, and so it's a video and a worksheet and we give directions for how to set up your living room to make it more of a retreat-like atmosphere. We've been doing in-person retreats, like I mentioned, in our region for years. We did mar we've done marriage prep retreats and marriage prep mentoring. So we have a lot of in-person experience with marriage ministry. And we're able to kind of coach our members for how they can Set, create that atmosphere in their own home after you get the kids to bed, even if you just have an hour or an hour and a half. That is great to, you know, just give a boost to your marriage. So that's the heart of it right there. And we also interview guests and have guest experts come on Zoom calls and we review different um, books and videos and resources so that people can get ideas for what they can continue to do on their own if they want to read or watch some other materials. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Okay. I absolutely love that. And, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with so much is that, like, we had our children very early in our marriage. We got married, and then six months later, I was pregnant, and, you know, now I have a seven-year-old, and oh, we're still having kids. But, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's amazing, but sometimes I felt, especially in those early years, like, 
how am I supposed to connect with you, my husband, when yes. these kids are draining me? Because by the time my third was born, I had three kids under five for wow. a month. Um, and, you know, now it's different because my oldest is seven. My second is five. They're, they're a little more self-sufficient, but they still have lots of needs. Um, and so having the fact that, you know, daily we are needed so much. It can be so yes. exhausting and so hard to connect and so hard to find the time and make the effort and, and find that prayerful time to be like, this is worth it. This is what we need to do. So having it be in your home, especially because like babysitters are few and far between right now, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're, they're a little hard to come by these days. Um, and so being able to do things in your home, I think is just so, so freeing and so amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for that. I think that is just okay. an incredible way to really eliminate excuses and mm-hmm. say, like, you can commit to doing this. You can commit to an hour a month for your marriage, which I think. And it's so encouraging and inspiring for us to hear back from our couples who are in the ministry, who are in the membership, just the experiences that they are having. It's really working. And we didn't start this. Um, we started our ministry in July of 2019 on the feast of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin. Um, and we weren't a hundred percent sure it was going to work. Like we were hopeful. You might hear my baby blaze in the background there. Um, but it was, it was a bit of a risk. So it's been really, really affirming and validating and encouraging to see it really is working. We have couples telling us that they're just having beautiful experiences on their own couch in their own home, snuggling up, revisiting themes like forgiveness or, you know, their dreams and goals or their past best memories, um, working on communication and finances and really renewing their their sense of connection to each other and their, their joy in their marriage. So that's just, we're so grateful and blessed that really is doing what we set out for it to do. That is amazing. I mean, look at the Holy Spirit moving. Just look, look at that happening. It's always exciting and affirming when you see the fruit and you know, the fruit isn't you, you know, the fruit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit moving. And so, yes. Oh, yes. To that. (laughs) Yeah. But, and you know, what is wonderful is, also, we can find that when we go on a retreat, I don't know, have you been, I'm sure you've been on retreats before, right? Like I've weekend retreats. I've been on them. Uh-huh. Well, never a weekend retreat, interestingly enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> never happened for me. <laughs> I'd like it to, but never it's happened. Nice. Well, I it's know. nice to take that time away, but the downside to weekend retreats is Monday morning when you come back home and you're back in your same old routine and you're like, wait a minute, all these mountaintop experiences I had, all these, you know, deep, intense experiences of prayer or connection with my spouse. If it was a a marriage retreat, like how do you integrate that into your Monday morning life and your, Mm -hmm. your week life? And that's what we love about this ongoing model is that, you know, it, it makes, makes it less of a jarring transition <laughs> and right. more seamless. Like you see the couch in your living room where you sat and had your, you know, retreat when you watch the video and reflection questions. And it can call to mind those graces that you received then and, and help you work it into your daily life. Right. Oh, that is beautiful. 
Okay, I wanted to ask you, because I know your husband, Nathan, does so much in this ministry with you. He's such a big part of what you do, but we're just talking woman to woman today. Yeah. And so um, I think all of my listeners are women, with the exception of when I tell my two friends who are priests, like, hey, you need to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's uh, that's probably, those are the only two male listeners. But anyways, um, I did want to talk to you, just woman to woman, you know, we're the wives in the marriage, right? And so we see that there's specific roles for husbands and wives. And I know there's that super controversial passage where St. Paul says that husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands and, and all that. But thankfully as Catholics, we have a pretty good understanding of what that actually means. It means my husband has to die for me and I just have to let him lead. Right. Yes. Like, and, well, I, and John Paul too, in his um, letter to women in Mulieris Dignitatum, 1988, he talks, he interprets that in the sense of mutual submission because mm-hmm. in that passage just before it says submit to one another out of love for Christ. So Christ is the head and we both, we both totally give ourselves to each other or that's the goal. But right. yes, but yeah, wives have a definitely a, di- a specific <laughs> dynamic. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So I guess my question after talking through that, just knowing like biblically we've got this and then also we have naturally the physiological differences of being a woman versus a man. But, you know, what are some of the ways that you found as the wife in your marriage that you can support your husband, especially keeping in mind that the goal is heaven, right? Like the goal is heaven for us, for our spouses, for our families, But how can you as a woman, you as a wife, support your husband on his journey? Yes. Wow. There is so much to say there. Just going to sit with the Holy Spirit for a minute and see which of the many things bubbling up. (laughs) Be great. You know, first of all, I'm going to talk about prayer because praying for your husband, like we should all be doing that. And, um, I know a lot of us, you know, we really work on our personal spiritual life. We have our own prayers and spiritual reading or maybe go to to daily mass as often as you can with the kids. Um, But are you praying specifically for your husband in the midst of that? Like when you go to mass and receive communion, are you asking God to bless your spouse who's one flesh with you also? Um, So what, what I do is I pray a prayer to St. Joseph every morning and right after that prayer, I asked St. Joseph to help my husband in a number of ways. I pray for his holiness and his vocation as husband and father, that St. Joseph will help him live that out and help him become a saint and get to heaven. I pray for his physical health and for his career. And I pray for the work that we do together at Cana Feast, that it will be fruitful. So it's just nice to start the top of my day with that in mind, because honestly, and I don't know about you, but since I started having kids, I feel like a lot of the help is going from him to me. Like I've got my hands full, you know, with nursing babies or <laughs> cleaning up the kitchen after the meal or the snack or the other meal or the other meal. Or so cooking the meal. for a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives it so generously. So um, I have to remind myself to specifically do nice things for him also like at least as a little drop in the bucket compared to how much he really serves and helps me. So yesterday 
I was like, I gotta do something nice for him. And he's working from home. Like a lot of our husbands are these days. Um, and so I, I was out and about doing errands and I stopped in at the Starbucks and got a, a coffee. We're in the Seattle area. So, you know, for some, some people here, Starbucks just flows through your veins. <laughs> the, the coffee. Anyway, I brought him a coffee and he was delighted. And I was like, you know, I should do this more often. <laughs> but, um, that's the one thing. But the other thing that I think is, so I guess prayer, think of small acts of service, like actually do something to show your husband you're thinking about him and care about him. The third thing, which I think is a real, real biggie. Oh, hang on just a minute. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Again, so help, back, right? Uh, help yes. with all the things that we do, all the, the ministry positions that we that we hold and the Lord places on our heart. Like it really is a team. Like we are oh, not yeah. one woman shows for sure. Oh. Although absolutely. sometimes, you know, it sometimes I think culturally we can kind of get sucked into the message of like, we're the moms, we're the mommy martyrs, we do everything. But then when I stop and think about it, like you were saying, yeah, my husband gives me tremendous amounts of help. It looks very different right now because he's working crazy hours and I'm very tired. I'm 30 weeks pregnant. So like, I don't, I would like a little more help right now, but he's also providing for our family. So if anything, like he does things like vacuum for me. That's so nice. The one thing he doesn't do is laundry. So got to work on that. (laughs) yeah it's we you know they're the good guys we married the good guys absolutely yeah we so did I was just gonna say that one thing that was really a huge conversion for me in my marriage was going on a theology the body retreat where the um the concepts of control and irresponsibility were presented to us within the overarching context of you know, theology, the body and being total self gift to the other. But I realized not just that a lot of women do this, but I do this too. I tend to be controlling. And I think that a lot of us women do this without maybe even realizing the extent to which we are. But because of that, to the extent to which we are controlling, um, we're not giving the fullness of the gift that we should be giving to our husbands in our marriage. This can look a lot of different ways. Um, one woman who was speaking at one of these retreats, I got to look at other versions of this talk, the control and irresponsibility talk. One woman was saying, my husband is like, he is in the military and he is in charge of a nuclear submarine. But when he's at home, he has to ask my permission for which pants to put our toddler in to go out to church. And I was like, wow, you know, I think I tend to do things like that also, like insisting my way is the right way to do things and whether overtly or subtly implying, oh, you know, you did it wrong. That's not the right way to load the dishwasher or no, you know, that's not how we give gifts to our relatives at Christmas or whatever it is. And so that is a huge way we can support our husbands is really having a sense of, what is it? introspection, penitence, and conversion, and even repentance over the ways to which we're being controlling because it demasculates our husbands. And so that's just a huge one. I think we grow up 
in our current culture, not realizing to what extent all these messages about our empowerment as women, which I am all for, I am all for female empowerment, but think to a certain extent we might need to also balance that with a sense of humility and trust. I think the core of it is this fear that if things aren't done the right way, i.e. my way, it's all going to fall apart and I'll be stuck in this chaotic environment and I'm going to be let down. So I need to control everything. And I think this stems back to the fall and Adam and Eve and Adam let Eve down so she couldn't really trust him anymore. So I think that, that this is part of the fallout of it is the sense of I need to control things. I can't trust him. I need to tell him, you know, the right way or, or maybe not even tell him, just be a little bit extra quiet and miffy when he doesn't do things the right way so that he knows something's amiss and maybe he's better figure out what it is. <laughs> or if you're like me and you realize that my, your husband has put your toddler in two things that make no sense together, like a shirt with flowers followed by a pants with like, they're cute by themselves or when they go together, like with their proper outfits they look great but they were just in the drawer they were the first things he saw so like the pants have dogs and the shirt has flowers and it makes no right patternless pattern oh i feel you on that i feel your pain so you might just go quietly change them because you know we're going to mass we want to look good of course we don't actually go anywhere these days we're um we're actually still under dispensation in our diocese Uh right now which is sad it's going to be almost a year um when the dispensation runs out it'll be ash wednesday so um i know anyways but then we still have i'm still very high risk i guess i'm not that high risk um but i'm you know multiple weeks pregnant i'm just a few weeks away from giving birth and so um i'm assuming that we will continue to be able to watch mass live stream which we've been doing um and then our parish is really fortunate that if you are unable to attend church in the flesh you can uh-huh. actually live stream from your car and they'll bring communion out and then you can receive communion in that way. So, Oh, that's um, so wonderful. Yeah, wow. I know. So that's been, that's been wonderful. But my oldest is actually preparing for her first Holy communion. So oh my, um, my husband and I were just talking about how like Gabriella needs to get used to going to mass again and needs to get used to sitting in the pew. Yes. Like we need her to practice that. Um, and so he's going to be taking her inside every week now. So I'm really Aww. excited for the two of them. Anyways, I've, totally digressing about no but totally (laughs) because he's taking her inside and then you know when he comes back out you've got choices you can just praise and thank him and honor the gift of you know him doing that or um i don't know if you if you're like me and a lot of women i know you could check up on whether he you know did everything right. <laughs> I don't know. What, or, you know, I guess in, in other situations too, like if you are going back in the old days when we could like go out for a mom's night out or whatnot with her, <laughs> her friends. The and you, times. You, right. The olden times. And you leave directions for dinner and there's certain chores that need to be done, you know, and then you come back from your mom's night out. Is it, thank you so much for taking over and for running, you know, putting the kids to bed and making dinner. Or is it, what's this pizza box doing here? I left out all the ingredients for a homemade meal. You know, why did you get pizza? And (laughs) you know, that sort of a thing. So I'm just speaking from experience here. And that was just part of my conversion was realizing big picture. 
thank you, honey, for all you do. And I see the good in you. And I'm going to talk about it to you um, and, and trust you with things. And even if they're not done according to every little item on my specification list, the big picture is you're a good guy. You're a good dad. You're a great husband. And we're taking care of the most important things. And, and if we went to mass with um, stripes and polka dots, like mismatched <laughs> patterns, the big picture is we went to mass and you helped me get out the door with the kids and they had clothing on their bodies, which that's a win. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I'm thinking about like quarantine fashion and how like <laughs> it's just changed so much that I don't know if I'm going to care as much when the world opens up again. Like, um, I, was, I know we're supposed to dress our best for Jesus, but these are my best sweatpants. <laughs> you know, of course, being pregnant at this point, nothing's comfortable, oh, yeah. so sweatpants are all I wear, but <laughs> I digress. I love it. I love that you're saying, though, that, like, one of the best ways to support your husband is not only to pray for him, you know, not only to really look at what he's giving and to appreciate how he's supporting, but to actually recognize it. Because I know, like, if I just take the time to say, like, thank you so much to my husband, he looks different than he did if I'm just like, I need you to do this because I'm important and this is important. But, like, it was funny. It was um, my daughter's doing school virtually, but I had to take her for her picture day. So I was like, okay, um, can you come home at 1130 and hang out with the two younger ones? Because I can't go into the school for picture day with her. She can only go into the school. And then I have to wait outside till she's done. And like, I don't want to bundle up the little one. So anyways, we were like managing all of these crazy schedules and just taking the time to be like, thank you. It just made it different. And even though it was a hassle for him to come home from work and then leave again, I was so glad that it worked out that way. Cause I don't know, bundling up a five-year-old and a two-year-old and then making them stand around outside for 15 minutes in Michigan in January is not fun. So I didn't want to do that. So I'm glad I didn't have to, but you know, just being able to say, thank you. You've done something so good for me and recognizing and acknowledging our husbands. I think that's something that we can all work on. And like you said, we married the good guys. It's not that hard for us to find something, right? Yeah. And the more you look for it, the more you find too. I love to encourage husbands and wives, but we're talking to the wives here. Challenge yourself to every day, look for five things to be thankful for about your husband and maybe even tell him five things a day that you appreciate about him or thank you because they will, they'll stand a little taller. They'll, you know, <laughs> get a little, uh, maybe start whistling or something, but that helps them be the men they're created to be. They weren't meant to be these like beaten down, you know, slaves to our, <laughs> our dictates. They're meant to, men are created to have initiative and drive and they need that sense of, of competency and freedom that like, you know, I'm going to try a thing and I, I'm not afraid that my wife's going to be mad, you know, if I do it wrong. <laughs> so it, it gives them that space to to be who they're created to be as men um, in, in God's image. Right. Okay. So the first thing you said of your three things for ways that you can support your husband was prayer. And I guess I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable and really honest that sometimes I feel kind of hypocritical because... I have a really hard time praying with my spouse. 
Um, and we used to do it and now like we don't even do it. Like we turn out our light and we pray by ourselves and we go to bed. Like it's just, you know, we're, we're just not in a routine. And so I'm, I'm curious and I know I'm not the only person who's, you know, yes. like, it's uncomfortable and the awkwardness is awkward, right? Like, cause it is, uh, it can we be don't, we don't have like you don't see how other people are you know praying intimately together so like you're just making it up it's like I don't know what the, I don't know what I'm doing um is it supposed to feel this awkward um but do you have any suggestions for ways to make this sort of vulnerability regular in a marriage yes, yes. oh I Absolutely. You know, and part of why it feels kind of vulnerable and cringy is because it is when you um, pray before God with your husband, it's creates, there's a spiritual intimacy, like into me, see, you've heard that definition of intimacy, right? It's you see into me, into oh. me, see. So especially if you're praying spontaneously out loud, like with words that you make up on the spot, you're letting your husband see your heart in a way that's like a whole new level. Like when you're asking God for what the help that you want or thanking him for what it is, um, he sees what you really care about and it's really bonding, but you have to push through that very natural squirminess that can accompany starting up a new habit. But think about anything else that you've learned in life. Like the first time you followed a recipe. I don't know if you can remember that. Or I don't know, the first time you've done any new skill or done something that you haven't done in a long time, it's always, you know, it does feel a little awkward. So that's just one thing to recognize. Like as you're starting up, you know, you, you're not into a groove yet and, and it's really vulnerable and intimate. So yes, yes, that's natural to feel that. Um, and maybe the husband feeling that might make him less inclined to want to pray with you. But we have lots of tips for how to step through gracefully those awkward moments to get to a place where it's smooth and regular and really refreshing and inspiring for the both of you. And so here are some of the tips. Yes. And if your listeners are interested in some examples of couples and how they pray for each other um, and with each other, and like even a script that we created, if you yes. want to pray out loud with your husband or wife, we have that on our website. So they can go to canafeast.com and get our couple prayer guide. Um, because we just want to empower couples to do this. We want to pull back the curtain, you know, and, and let you peek into these seven beautiful marriages. And the couples who shared with us their examples, they're A-plus they're a rock star Catholic ministry couples. They're couples like my theology teacher, Dr. John Grabowski, and his wife, Claire, at Catholic University of America, or... Um, uh, Jason Kidd and his wife, Sarah, in the Portland, Oregon area. Um, he's the director of marriage and family life there. Um, and Gregory and Lisa Popchak, who, you know, have them. did so many great things for Catholic marriage. They, they pray in bed before they roll out of bed in the day. They hold hand, they reach through the covers and hold hands with each other and pray with each other before they even pull the covers off. I think that was, uh, that's a good strategy there. <laughs> that is anyway. their book, their book, um, I, I guess together forever book. no the other one holy sex it's like one of my oh. favorite books ever like everybody so Catholic needs to read that book um if you're married. oh yeah we recommend <laughs> that highly they have they just all the things they write are so good but um so what we recommend is first of all keep it short 
So this does not have to be a giant long experience. And you know, you've got young kids, <laughs> got a full house, full life. Even just 60 seconds praying together is going to just do so much for your marriage and your connection. And we recommend that you like optimize this for when it's going to make the biggest impact. And what we found, and we've tried praying together lots of different ways. And in our current marriage, you know, in our currently in our marriage, we pray together in the morning and before we go to sleep. And of course, grace before meals with our family and a family rosary in the evening. But the one the it's the morning prayer together that like, if we don't do that, everything feels a little off for the day. If we do it, we're like connected and we face the day like with a sense of unity and mission and purpose. And it's literally like 60 seconds or less. We hold hands. We, um, we pray out loud spontaneously and ask God to bless our marriage, to help us grow in passion and joy and intimacy. Um, I will pray something like, God, thank you so much for this amazing man. Thank you for his integrity and strength. And, you know, if you pour on the affirmation and praise into your prayer, your husband's going to be like, oh, this isn't so bad. You know, <laughs> I can get used to this. That's right. <laughs> So just uh, thank God for <laughs> right, all that affirmation. You know, they love to hear it and they need to hear it. Um, and then if I know that he's got like a big meeting that day or some big projects that are stressing him out, I'll ask God to help him with those. And he does the same for me. He'll um, thank God for his beautiful wife, which I always like, you know, it's sweet to hear. <laughs> and he will like thank God for like me being a good mother or something sweet like that. Um, which just like, I feel cherished and blessed and seen. And I feel like anointed and protected when he prays like that for me. Um, and then he'll pray like for whatever I've got going on with the kids that day or whatever's coming up. Um, so that's kind of like our expanded version of the prayer, the 60 second version. If it's a real busy morning and like, I'll, I'll grab him or he'll grab me and be like, Hey, let's pray with each other. And we'll just bless each other on the forehead with, you know, make the sign of the cross with our thumb on mm -hmm. each other's forehead and say, God bless you and keep you. And I'll be like, God, thank you so much for Nathan. Please bless his day. Amen. And he'll do the same for me. Now we're at 10 seconds, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's very doable. <laughs> it's very doable. But the key here is um, touch. So the, the thumb on the forehead, that touch, or you're holding hands or you're hugging, some sort of touch. It just layers on so many levels of good into the prayer we we need that touch as physical beings you know in our one flesh union there there's just so many studies that prove that touch increases communication increases our bonding like when people are touching the person that they're talking with they understand 80 percent more of what's being communicated isn't that amazing <laughs> right so so we add that into the prayer add in thanks and praise keep it short keep it simple. And I think after a few days of that, you know, you can get into a good routine. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that you do that to your husband with the, the blessing of the cross on the forehead or the tracing of the cross mm -hmm. on the forehead, because I do that to my kids all the time. Oh. I mean, they're hardly ever separating from me now, but when I separate from them, you know, school, daycare, um, when I was working, I would always just make the sign of the cross on their forehead before I left. And it was just like, you're God's, you're mine, you're God's, like, I'm leaving you here, you're in his care. And I never thought to do it to my husband, but that just 
makes so much sense. Like that's a very natural thing for me to do because I already do it. Um, So I love that. I absolutely love that. And I would encourage, um, I used to teach baptism prep to couples in our parish and I would always encourage them to make the sign of the cross on their child's forehead, you know, at night, just as a reminder that you're baptized, Mm -hmm. you're God's. And my husband's baptized. He's God's too. He needs to know that. I need to know that. We got to work on this. So, oh, okay. Those are awesome tips. And um, if you send me the links, I can include the links right in my uh, show notes so people can just click on them to find out uh, more about these awesome resources you guys have at canafeast.com. Okay, I have a question for you about, so I know a little bit of your backstory. It wasn't always this, I don't want to say easy because I know marriage isn't easy, but you know, <laughs> please give me a little bit of, you know, like the first five, seven, ten years of marriage, were they a little bit more challenging than where you're at now? Please tell me they were. Yeah. Well, you know, it is it's part of why we do what we do because we married um, and I was really committed to my Catholic faith and Nathan got in and knew about natural family planning, knew that this was church teaching and was committed to doing that. And God bless Nathan, even though this was kind of, he had been raised Catholic, but um, had not really encountered theology, of the body or NFP or any of that, but in trust and in faith, he agreed to live our marriage in the fullness of the teaching of the church in that way. And then had his own intellectual and spiritual journey where, you know, then it opened up and made more sense to him after he agreed to it. God bless him. <laughs> so we were that kind of couple. Like we were a hundred percent committed to our Catholic faith. Um, we were studying theology and philosophy at the Catholic university of America, just really um, trying to raise our children intentionally in the faith. And what we realized though was um it's not enough you did i mean big shocker you can't just check the boxes on following all of catholic teaching in your marriage and then get guaranteed a happy marriage so (laughs) we've seen this in a lot of our friends too that there's actually there were some human level skills and some conversions of heart that we needed to have in order to not just understand the theology of the body intellectually but understand it at a heart level in a way where we could really be self-gift to one another in a practical way, in a way that we could feel in our day-to-day life. So what happened with us is um, we, we got through grad school. We had um, our first few children, our oldest two daughters. Um, then there was a job loss and a big move and a death in the family on my side. Um, it's really, really sad and tragic. Um, a divorce. Um, my parents got divorced as well. A lot of different life stressors. And we kind of fell into this place of really not connecting with each other well, of depression and burnout and, um, and just not feeling the joy, you know? And I knew... I knew there was something better and something more. And we knew we were not going to divorce, but kind of we were looking at like either something has to change or we're just going to grit it through and be, you know, be pretty unhappy until we die. And that's, (laughs) that's not what God's plan is. So that's not the vision. (laughs) Not at all. No. And that's why we love the, the 
feast of Cana because God's plan for us is this abundant joy, all that wine, the party, you know, um, and that is, so we went on a marriage retreat. Oh, you might hear a child in the background there. <laughs> um, we went on a marriage retreat that helped unlock the joy for us, where we learned practical skills like, you know, giving up control and irresponsibility, like um, praying together day, in our daily life. Um, like, what else did we learn? Oh, like how to add more touch into our life. At this particular retreat, they talked about skin to skin, which... Um, it's a very lovely practice for married couples uh, to just increase your, your bonding. Um, so all of these things really worked for us. They really helped us um, come to a new place in our marriage where the joy just kept growing and growing and growing. And so knowing that this was possible, we wanted to share this with as many couples as we could through marriage ministry, through you know sharing those messages um, in retreats and talks and mentoring and whatnot. So that's, that's our story in a nutshell. Oh, okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because, you know, I have to say there are seasons and ebbs and flows, right? In everybody's life. And it's not always going to be, this is the most amazing thing ever. And that like, you feel so, so satisfied in how great your marriage is, how solid your marriage is. Like you said, like there's life stressors, there's things that happen that impact how you're able to receive and give of yourself. Right. Um, but you know, I really am curious now that you're in this place where you feel that joy on a more regular basis, that joy of your vocation of marriage, because that's the goal. Like we might not all be there, but you know, we can work on it. And that's what your ministry is about, is about working on getting to that place where you you feel the joy that God wants you to feel in your vocation of marriage. But what would you say that like having that joy about your vocation of marriage, how does that just change the day to day? How does that change your daily tasks, the diaper changes, the dishes, the cooking, the laundry? Cause man, oh man, am I bogged down by laundry. Uh, but like, yeah, it does. Can, can you kind of shed some light on that? Well, it changes everything. It gives you energy and a sense of humor and a sense of perspective. So you might still have the exact same laundry and diaper changes and dishes, <laughs> but you're bringing to it the sense of gratitude and romance and adventure and like, ah, isn't this funny? Um, and also what our retreat did for us, it taught us to stop. That the joy in the marriage is not the dessert after You've done all the chores and responsibilities and whatnot, but that if you put that first and you prioritize that, everything else falls into place. So making sure that we have a good, strong connection with each other, it affects how we relate to our children. It affects the tone in our home. It affects how much eye contact we make with each other when we're talking to each other, you know, because when you lose that sense of the romance the masculinity and femininity. And that's part of, you know, what's at the heart of this is sometimes we can, we can sort of go into this blah, neutral beige state where we're just co-partners in this household organization, right? (laughs) Instead of lovers, instead of beloved husband, bridegroom and bride living their dream life of love, right? right? So, Emphasizing that masculinity and femininity, flirting a bit with each other throughout the day, you know, some more kisses, some more eye contact, some more pats as you walk by each other that, um, you know, that changes your, 
it changes the whole tone of everything. It takes your, your life into like sepia, you know, Kodachrome instead of <laughs> sepia tone or whatnot. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. That's so funny that you're saying that. But um, is that an original quote of yours that the joy in marriage is not just the dessert? Because that is amazing. Like that is such a great phrase. And I'm just sitting here thinking about that. Like what? an incredible thing to really reflect on. Like the joy in the marriage isn't for afterwards. It's for now it's present. Like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me just let that percolate through. I'm going to be thinking about that for forever. And I might make a meme, but that's okay. <laughs> make a meme and share it. Yeah. I, I mean, when we went on the Living in Love retreat, they taught us, um, and that was the name of the retreat we went on, Living in Love. It's um, in some places throughout the country um, of the United States, and we highly encourage couples to go on it when it's available. And I believe they're online now somehow as well. Because <laughs> but... I leave things online. Right. <laughs> exactly. But they really taught us, you know, don't wait until um, – You've attended to every last need, wish, whim, and desire of your children and put everything into place in your home before you make time for each other, before you make married time for each other. That, you know, maybe you can prioritize each other and tell the kids, you know, they can wait a little bit before you get them that toy or, um, you know, leave some dishes <laughs> to be done tomorrow morning and, and just go to bed and, and rest and, and call it good enough for tonight and realize that your bond, your relationship, like that is what takes priority. Oh my gosh. I love it. You have so much wisdom. Thank you for sharing it. Okay. So, um, my very last question that I wanted to ask you is just because, I am coming up on, it'll be nine years of marriage in May. And so we'll have had uh, four kids in these nine years that are here present with us. We'll have two that are in heaven. So um, we will, you know, and we'll have seen beloved grandparents pass away. We'll have seen, you know, like we will have been through a lot in these first 10 years of marriage. And so um, knowing I'm not the only person who's in this particular, you know, I'm in my first 10 years of marriage situation. I'm really curious, what advice do you have for people who are in the first 10 years of their marriage? You know, whether it be the first year, the fifth year, the seventh year, that hard seventh year, um, the 10th yeah. year, like whatever, whatever it is in those first 10 years is your really, um, like establishing a career, perhaps having children, like getting into your marriage. Cause you've been married for 20 years. So those first yes. 10 years look a little different, right? So what advice do you have for people who are in that 10 year, those first 10 years? Well, I would say, first of all, establish prayer habits <laughs> and routines early and be persistent yet flexible with them. We, um, I know we're talking about marriage in this conversation, but I'm thinking about how we began praying the rosary when our oldest two children were toddlers, or let's see, one was toddler and one was early grade school aged. Um, it was, it, you know, it's tricky to get, to rally the, the, the children, to gather them together. And, um, 
and have them somehow sit still through a rosary. But we started, we had other examples of families around us. We began, we learned some, some different ideas from other families, like have the kids color a coloring page of a mystery of the rosary while you're praying together. Maybe just start with praying one or two decades together, and then over time, add on more and more. Um, you know, vary it up in different ways. Well, we did that, and I'm, I feel like that was a seed we planted in early in our marriage that has borne so much good fruit for us. We have a real solid, regular family rosary routine now um, that I feel is just carrying our family. Like, I literally feel like Our Lady is surrounding our home, you know, with a giant invisible spiritual rosary and protecting our family and, you know, covering our home with her mantle. It's that powerful, and I'm so grateful for that. So beginning prayer habits, even when, like you we were talking about earlier, they feel a little awkward, a little cringy, you're not quite sure how to make it work. But just begin and persist and look for different ways to be creative and flexible and trust that if you keep at it, it will grow and will yield fruit a hundredfold. It's just so important. So building your home on a foundation of prayer is my very first advice. Building your marriage, your family, working prayer in however you can, that is key. Um, as husband and wife, dream together. Really get clear with each other and talk about where do we want to go? What's our vision? What's our goal? What kind of life do we want to have? Um, again, we did this early on. We wrote lists of like our top five values and what we want to do together in our married life. And we, we had this vision of the kind of home life we wanted to have. And bit by bit, we're getting there. And we've made... We, Thanks be to God and his grace and, and keeping at it through thick and thin, we've been able to do amazing things together. We paid off our mortgage. We took our family to France. We are praying a family rosary, which like that's, that's the coolest one of all. Um, we have a house that's filled with music. Our oldest daughter plays harp. Three of our daughters play um, piano. And um, we love, we're a family that loves books and creativity. Like all these things were things we specifically talked about years ago and that is now the content of our life and and we're we keep dreaming so that's the second one start dreaming and then keep dreaming because that's what pulls us forward you know through the piles of laundry and the, <laughs> the late nights is like you're working towards something together shoulder to shoulder towards a common goal Oh, I love that. I am a very goal-oriented person, which means that like anytime someone tells me to dream, I'm like, yes, let's make some lists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think about it. That's amazing that you were able to pay off your mortgage and that you were able to do these incredible things. I mean, like five kids and all of them being musicians. I know your youngest is only two years old, but still. Oh, he started. He's one, and he sits at the piano and plunks and, and commands which sisters he wants to sit next to him and play to. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it's just... really so, one. it's such a blessing to do that. And, and not just to have your own goals, like individually, but together as a couple. Because when you can dream together, like that's, that's so bonding, and, and you'll support each other and, and step towards that together. Right. Okay. So I didn't ask you this question, but I just want to ask one kind of follow-up, maybe a little bit of a tricky question. I'm sorry okay. that I didn't send no. this along, but um, for those of us who are in a different 
place spiritually than our spouses. Maybe mm-hmm. more invested. Maybe we have a spouse who isn't necessarily practicing. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about the different types of marriages yeah. that we encounter. I mean, you know, not everybody is together in their faith at the same point. And so right. what advice do you have for those women who maybe feel like we're in a different place than where our husband is and um, you know, maybe we feel a little bit like we have to be the leaders of the faith in our family. Mm-hmm. What what kind of advice do you have for those who might feel like that? Well, it's super common. And even when husband and wife are both Catholic, a lot of times it's going to be the wife who's going to feel most comfortable, like praying together, for example, or is going to feel most on her heart. Like, you know, we've, we've got to be, uh, you know, just living as a domestic church or, you know, living the liturgical year or things like that. But um, I think what you can do, first of all, be praying for your husband, be keeping an eagle eye out for all the good that he's doing and look to values as well. And maybe it, your, your husband's Protestant or not practicing Catholic or some other spiritual tradition or nothing, you know, no, no religious affiliation you can at least connect at the level of values and virtues, you know, ask him like, what would you say are the most important, you know, virtues to live for or or to live by? And, and he's got something, he's got some, you know, guiding light that, um, that is, it's kind of a sneaky backdoor way to get to spirituality. (laughs) I like Then you can, right. You can honor that with him. And even if he might not necessarily feel like, um, he can pray with you as a practicing Catholic because maybe he has a different background or whatnot. Um, you can still express gratitude together in kind of a, a more general way. You can still connect spiritually um, at a fundamental level and just say, you know, can we just um, give thanks together as husband and wife and just hold his hand and say like, you know, can we just say three things we're thankful for to the universe or, you know, whatever, like you can thank the universe and I'm going to thank the father, son, and Holy spirit, you know, <laughs> um, but you can, you can definitely do that. And the things we were talking about earlier, really giving him space, honoring him, you know, giving him space to be the man he was created to be, um, that, that can, I think that can work a lot better than like trying to chase him and clobber him with your faith, you know? Right. <laughs> Because that's yeah. going to go completely, his masculine nature is going to like shrink away from that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking too, as we were talking like, okay, well, even if your husband is a different denomination or no denomination of Christian faith, or, um, you know, even perhaps rejects the notion of faith at this point. I mean, I know a lot of different couples and I know there are a lot of different people in different marriages, but their marriage is still a marriage, which I think is, yes. is really beautiful. Um, and so, but I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like, wow, like you can still pray for your husband, even if he's not right with you, you can still touch him with a gentle, like, you know, shoulder rub and just like, you don't even have to say it, but you feel like I'm praying for you as I'm touching your shoulder today. Like, right. right? Like we can, yes. we can still do that. We can be kind of a little bit sneaky there. Um, but I just, I love that you're saying that that's super common to kind of feel, especially when you are a mom, if I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm the one who sits at home with the kids. I'm the one who reads the Bible story. I'm the one who puts on, you know, the praise and worship music when we're here. Like I'm the one who, 
who does that because my husband's not here. He's out providing and I'm the one who, you know, comes up with the traditions. I'm the reason we do a Jesse tree at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it falls on me a lot. And so I just, I absolutely love that you're saying that it's common and that you're not alone. Cause I think so many women need to hear that. Um, so even if you are in a Catholic marriage where you and your spouse are both Catholic, you're both practicing, you're both committed to the faith, but you still feel like so much more is falling on you as a woman, I just feel like, oh, thank you so much for just affirming that I'm not the only person in that situation because. Yeah. And just persist because all those things are so good. Like your kids shouldn't miss out on a Jesse tree if you're able to do that just because you're feeling like, well, I'm always the one who has to do this. You know, like, I guess I would just say guard against resentment, but Mm -hmm. keep on doing all those good things and really look out for what is your husband doing and, and affirm and build on that. I know I keep saying the same thing, but it's, it's so true. You know, I think, um, in a lot of marriages back before COVID, when we were going to church in person, maybe the husband wasn't the one gathering the, the children to pray in the evening, but he was the one saying churches, you know, we have to leave in 10 minutes for church. Come on, everyone, let's get coats on and out the door. That's huge, right? Like that's, that is leadership and it's, spiritual leadership. He is leading family out the door to church, or maybe your husband's not Catholic, but he is willing to go with you and the kids to church. Well, just seeing their dad's body present in the church, that is really impactful for children. So thank him for that. Tell him. And I love what you were saying earlier too, that, you know, you can pat him on the shoulder and then be like secretly sneakily praying to the Holy Spirit (laughs) while you're doing it. Yes, that is so powerful and so good. And I remember I read an article by Simcha Fisher one time where she said, you know, if if nothing else in terms of couple prayer at night, just snuggle as close as you can to your husband and and be praying because the Holy Spirit is unable to distinguish in that one flesh union (laughs) in those circumstances. So all the graces are are landing on him as well. I love it. I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm 30 weeks pregnant. So like any attempt at me snuggling is like, there's a bowling ball between us at this point. But it's just, you know, that's the the joy of marriage. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a guest on Heart Home Faith today. This has just been so fun and so eye-opening and really just, I'm so encouraged by like the the crazy thing about this pandemic that led me to finally take the leap and do this podcast is you know like I didn't want to feel isolated and so this podcast ministry is little I hope it grows but if it stays little that's fine God will do what he wants to do with me but it's been so fun for me to meet other women and I've actually been able to meet so many other women actively in ministry that I never would have met before like all over the country. Like, this is so cool. So thank you so much for, for being here. I so appreciate your time and just the energy of, you know, positivity and wisdom and, um, just the, the joy about your marriage that you brought. That's really infectious. So thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. And thank you. It is such a delight to talk with you and, um, just, it's beautiful what you're doing here. And I love the title of your podcast too, heart home faith. Like those are just (laughs) the most important things. So, um, God bless you and all the listeners praying for all of you. And again, I invite anyone who wants to see our couple prayer guide. It's free on our website to download. And you see these examples of seven other rock star Catholic couples and how they actually pray together in their real life marriages um, at canafeast.com.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode and I can't wait to bring you more amazing content this season. Until next time, my dear sisters in Christ, may you feel as loved as you are.